0: Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me, How great are his signs! How mighty his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, It was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud, and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven, let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will, and sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because of all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or interpretation alarm you, Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all and under which the beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived, It is you, O king. You have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. Because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O King. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. the The king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence for all the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, Immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew like, grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me. I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. For all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. Our text is Daniel 4, which we have already read together. After the sermon, we will sing Psalm 75, stanzas 1, 3, 4, and 6. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a a clear theme that runs through the book of Daniel. It is the coming of Christ's kingdom. But note the context. The gospel of Christ's kingdom is proclaimed in the midst of much suffering. When we look at the historical context of our text this morning, the events in chapter 4 took place towards the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. There is not much left of God's people Israel, only a small remnant. By this time, Jerusalem is totally destroyed. Jerusalem has been burned with fire and lays in ruins. Also, the temple of the Lord and the service of the Lord, which the Lord himself had established there, is gone. Nothing is left. It almost seemed to be the end of God's church here on earth. But in the midst of this dark history... God reveals more clearly than ever before the coming of Christ, our eternal king, who will reign forever. The gospel of the coming of Christ's kingdom is proclaimed at a critical point in history. This time of The time of the world empires has started. From now on, Israel will no longer be an independent nation with their own king, but will be thrown into the melting pot of the power struggles of mighty nations and political turmoil until the coming of Christ. What hope could God's people have in this time? For now that the throne of David had been wiped away, what has happened to the prophecies of the Son of David who will reign on the throne of David forever? And what chance did God's people have of surviving now that they are absorbed into this great, an ungodly city, Babylon, with its heathen culture and idolatry. The future indeed seemed very dark for God's trampled people in the midst of a powerful and ungodly world. What a comfort, then, when God, their God, reveals in a most majestic way his sovereign power over the kings of this world. There, even in the midst of Babylon... He proclaims and demonstrates his almighty and sovereign rule over which the king of Babylon has to bow. Nebuchadnezzar is forced to acknowledge before the eyes of the world that he is nothing before God and that God can do with him as he wishes. God reveals his sovereign power and kingship not only in heaven but also here on earth in the concrete political situation of the day. He has his kingship and sovereign rule proclaimed even by the mouth of that mighty heathen emperor whom he brings down on all fours to eat grass like an ox until, in the greatest humiliation, he finally lifts up his head to heaven and acknowledges and confesses that the Most High God, yes, the God of Israel, lives and reigns forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? Verse 34 and 35. And then King Nebuchadnezzar has this confession published. To all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Verse 1. The whole world saw and heard. What a comfort to God's people. This is our God. Our God, who made his covenant with us, has not changed, and he has not abdicated his throne The heathen nations may rage and plot against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in heaven laughs at them. He holds them in derision. Yes, he holds them in derision. There stands Nebuchadnezzar on all fours, eating grass. He, the great majestic king of Babylon, the builder and ruler of the world empire, will not establish the golden empire on earth as he intends to do. But the God of heaven will establish his kingdom forever. His anointed will come and grind to powder all the kingdoms of this world and blow them away like chaff, as proclaimed in chapter 2. Dear congregation, this is our God. This history becomes more amazing when we look at it in the light of the New Testament. For now we see our Lord Jesus Christ, seated at God's right hand, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, before whom every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus is the Lord, to the glory of the Father. Christ will crush all his enemies under his feet, and even his fiercest enemies will have to bow the knee and confess his sovereign rule if need be, on all fours, eating grass. Congregation, in the midst of a secular world and the rise and fall of various world powers and political turmoil, we are comforted by the power and sovereign rule of our Almighty God with our Lord Jesus Christ, the promised King, seated at his right hand. I proclaim God's word to you with the theme, Our God rules over the kings of this world. We will note, Nebuchadnezzar's prosperity, Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's confession. We note in the first place Nebuchadnezzar's prosperity. Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. He was enjoying peace and prosperity. Jerusalem in ruins while babylon flourishes we read something similar in zechariah chapter 1 where it is reported that the whole earth was resting quietly while jerusalem lay in ruins the world was enjoying rest and peace while the church was being trampled down but then the lord said to zechariah i am jealous for jerusalem and for zion with great zeal i am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease, Zechariah 1, verse 14. Things are not what they may seem to be. While the world is at ease, enjoying prosperity, God is exceedingly angry with them. And while Jerusalem lays in ruins, God actually loves Jerusalem with great zeal. We find the same here in our text. King Nebuchadnezzar is enjoying great prosperity and peace. But God is terribly displeased with him. From chapter 1 up to chapter 4, God has now already made him, his power known in Babylon. Every time Nebuchadnezzar was brought to the point where he had to confess that Daniel and his companions served the living God, the God of heaven, but he refused to subject himself to this God. The coming of Christ's eternal kingdom was announced to him. At first, he was amazed about the miraculous way in which this was revealed and made clear. But in spite of this, he rejected God's revelation. He erected an immense image of gold representing his own kingdom, which may not be followed by other kingdoms. He erected an image of his own dream of a golden kingdom that will last forever. And before this image, all had to bow the knee. However, the outcome was unexpected. Three men did not bow before this image, and the whole crowd of rulers and governors from all over the kingdom all went home with the king's own command to fear the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yet Nebuchadnezzar, continued to pursue the glory of his own golden empire. And he indeed had great success. The height and glory of Babylon reached to the heavens. The tree that you saw, which you which grew and became strong, whose height reaches to the heavens, it is you, O king, you have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens. Verse twenty through twenty two. He built Babylon to the glory of his own majesty. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Verse 30. Do you hear the words of Genesis 11 echoing? Was that not man's slogan when they built the tower of Babel? Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Genesis 11, verse 4. All men had to unite to build a mighty city and a kingdom which power power reaches to the heavens in order to make a name for themselves and to unite them into one kingdom, the kingdom of man without God the kingdom of Babylon, over against the kingdom of Christ. Yes, that theme returns here in Babylon in the same valley where the Tower of Babel once stood. And we hear the same words. Your height, O king, reaches to the heavens. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens. I've built this city, Babylon, by my power and for the honor of my majesty, Nebuchadnezzar continued building the Tower of Babel in the same spirit that its foundations were laid. And he prospers. Babylon flourishes. The tower reaches to the heavens. Babylon was not just any city. Its splendor was indeed breathtaking. Various inscriptions were found that testify of this. Some inscriptions also mention that although Nebuchadnezzar had amazing military success, He was first of all famous for all the majestic building projects in which he started and completed. Nebuchadnezzar, the great builder of Babylon, whose glory and splendor reached to the heavens. We do not need extra biblical information to come to this conclusion. In chapter 2, we are told that Nebuchadnezzar, king of kings, was the head of gold, and all the other empires after him would be lesser kingdoms. No empire would ever again reach the splendor of the golden Babylon. And here in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar would not have boasted that he built this majestic city if it was not he who built it. His works, his skills, his abilities, his success, his glory were amazing. Add to it the power of the greatest empire ever and the riches of all the nations Gather it all in Babylon and you might get some impression of the glory and the splendor of this city, the great Babylon. But now someone may say, was Nebuchadnezzar not simply fulfilling the cultural mandate of Genesis? Genesis 1, subduing the earth and having dominion? What is wrong with building a city or building a kingdom? Is there anything wrong with centralizing power or with building such a royal dwelling? Was it not simply the flourishing of culture? Well, it was indeed a flourishing of culture, but a culture separated from God, a culture in enmity against God. It remains the culture of this world also in our day, where man seeks his own glory without God. Man is able to do many things. Look at our technology, look at our achievements. Listen to the media, and you will hear the same words, echoing. Is it not man who invented all these things to the glory of man? Has man not grown independent of God, boasting in his own abilities and potential? Look at our scientific achievements. Do our knowledge and dominion not reach to the heavens? Also in our day, man is erecting the Tower of Babel, building the city of Babylon. But God suddenly intervened and chopped the tree down we note that in the second place, Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation. Chop down the tree, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. Verse 23. The seven times may refer to seven years. It lasted at least as long that his hair grew very long and his nails became like birds' claws. The seven times refer to a fixed time determined by God. Nebuchadnezzar would suffer this humiliation for the complete period which God has determined beforehand. This mighty heathen emperor would graze with the beasts of the field until God decides to bring him back on the throne. This great and brilliant man the builder of the great kingdom of the world. God removes him from his mighty throne, puts him on all all fours and makes him eat grass like an ox. Yes, God mocks him. He holds him in derision. This king who destroyed Jerusalem and trampled God's people underfoot, who took the holy articles of the Lord's temple as trophies for his God's, who dared to rebel against Christ and his kingdom, who erected a golden image of his own kingdom, who decreed that all shall bow and worship his power and glory, whose boasting and rebellion against God reached the heavens. God holds him in derision. It is the fulfillment of Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They refuse to bow their necks or to be bound by God's rule. But he who sits in heaven laughs at them. He mocks them. He holds them in derision. And it will have its final fulfillment on the day when Christ appears in glory. We see the truth and reality of Psalm 2 powerfully portrayed before our eyes in the history of Babylon. Even the greatest king on earth has to step down at once and eat grass on God's command. Finally, all who rise against Christ shall come to utter disgrace. But before Nebuchadnezzar came to this deep humiliation and disgrace, he received a warning by the mouth of Daniel. O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off from your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be some lengthening of your prosperity. Verse 27. Daniel called King Nebuchadnezzar to repent of his evil ways. This mighty emperor was not only proud, but cruel and wicked. We think, for example, of Isaiah 14 where the prophet speaks about the fall of the king of Babylon and says, How the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, he who struck the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he who ruled the nations in anger. Isaiah 14, verse 4 through 6. There Nebuchadnezzar is called the great oppressor, ruling the nations in anger, beating them with a continual stroke. He showed no mercy to those in need, as Daniel points out in verse 27. Does God not appoint rulers so that they may serve and protect the people? The rulers of this world and their kingdoms are described as ravenous beasts, Daniel 7. They do not fulfill their God-given task, but rule with injustice and cruelty. And thus Daniel took the opportunity to call this heathen king to repentance. It again reminds us of Psalm 2. Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar was not totally ignorant about the coming of Christ's kingdom. It was already proclaimed to him. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Chapter 2, verse 44. But King Nebuchadnezzar did not want anything to do with the Messiah and his kingdom, Instead, he erected an image of his own golden empire and commanded that all must worship this image of his power and his glory. It is his city which he built by his mighty power to the glory of his majesty. Verse 30. Dear congregation, our Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the eternal king whose coming has been foretold in the prophecies of Daniel. Christ is the eternal king who will crush all his enemies under his feet. He is the king of kings, to whom all the kings of the earth have to subject themselves. Woe to the king or ruler who dares to rise against God's anointed, Jesus Christ. And woe to the prime minister who does not acknowledge the God of heaven or the government that laughs in parliament when someone mentions God and his will. That is what Nebuchadnezzar had to experience. He built Babylon in the spirit of Babel and in the idolatry of the golden image. But God put an end to this boasting and brought him down on all fours to graze like an ox until he looked up to heaven to honor the Most High who rules in heaven and on earth. Dear congregation, how great is our God! How great are his signs! How mighty his wonders! Verse 3. Finally, this mighty king had to acknowledge his nothingness before God. In deep humiliation and disgrace, he had to confess that God's sovereignty reigns over all. We note that in the last place, Nebuchadnezzar's confession. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. What a confession from the mouth of such a heathen king! Dear congregation, there will indeed come a day when all the enemies of Christ will bow the knee before him and confess that he is the Lord. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, verse 10 and 11. Nebuchadnezzar was made an example of what will happen on Judgment Day. This confession will come even from Christ's fiercest enemies on earth when he appears in glory. But it often happens, even in this life already. Think of the time of the Reformation when the Protestants were severely persecuted. How often did God... Come to their aid by removing a Romish ruler and frustrating the plans of wicked kings, destroying their fleet in a storm, or removing them from the throne. Let the king of kings, let the kings of the earth, fear. Let the rulers tremble before our God. Let the church rejoice and say, "God is King over all." What a comfort in the midst of oppression! What a comfort for God's trampled people in the midst of Babylon. When we look at the words of Nebuchadnezzar's confession, it is almost identical with Psalm 145, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. When Nebuchadnezzar confesses, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. It reminds us of Isaiah 40, for 17 where the prophet says all nations before him are as nothing they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless it is clear that god laid these very words in the mouth of nebuchadnezzar to comfort his covenant people and to remind them of his word which he spoke to them through the prophets it is as if god does not want us to miss the point who once spoke through the mouth of a donkey can also speak through the mouth of a man who ate grass like an ox. The Lord says says as it were, look how this heathen king, even the king of Babylon, confirms the words which I have spoken to you through my prophets. Nebuchadnezzar becomes a living illustration of how God exercises his power on earth How he counts even the highest among men, less than nothing, and use them for his purpose. Dear congregation, our God rules in heaven. He also rules the earth. He will give the kingdom to the lowest of men. Yes, also this word will find its glorious fulfillment on the new earth when God will give the kingdom and the dominion to his lowly saints who are counted the lowest of men on this life. Now the church may be despised and trampled people, captives in Babylon, but God has given us the kingdom of his Son to reign with him forever. Let he be our boasting and his glory our delight. The kingdom and the dominion do not belong to the rulers of this world, but to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his saints. Let us rejoice in the Lord with the words of Psalm One hundred and forty-five. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of his men his mighty acts, the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion through all generations. This is our God. How great his signs! How mighty his wonders! Congregation, let us lift up our eyes to heaven and rejoice in the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who made him, Jesus Christ, King of Zion, to rule over all, yes, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His is the kingdom, his is the power and the glory forever. Amen. The sermon that was read this morning was written by Reverend Mendel Retreat. Lord bless us and keep us. Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace.